0: Uh, more specifically, my dad on Sunday mornings would make breakfast all the eggs and the bacon and the toast and the pancakes or waffles or whatever. And he would always have the oldies radio station playing this Sunday morning breakfast thing. I do that now. I have a little speaker in my kitchen where i hook my phone up you know i'm not listening to oldies radio but i got my phone bluetooth thing to a little speaker but i'm playing older songs or uh, you know my my mice like the Bee Gees and and things like that so i am like kind of not purposefully but i'm imparting that to my kids as well um that that sunday morning thing
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, but today we are getting off the Bruce train, and we're doing what we like to call one of our B-side episodes, and B is especially appropriate because we are going down under, we are going to one of the biggest musical acts of the 60s and 70s, um, and even to a certain degree the 80s, the world-famous Bee Gees, and I am so thrilled David Fedor is joining me today to talk about the Bee Gees. David, welcome to the show.
0: James. Jesse, thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh,
1: first off, before we even get started, how are you doing with all this craziness and COVID? Are you guys safe? Are you doing Okay.
0: Um, yeah, we're, we're hanging in there. Uh, it's uh, my wife and I and our two young boys here at home. We've been um, hunkered down in, in house for the past couple months, uh, just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So okay. um, we're, we're um, not we our area wasn't hit hard at first. And then of course, like everybody else, it was taken over. Um, but, uh, I, I was laid off earlier in the year. So I've been home with the boys and, uh, we really haven't gone anywhere yesterday. I was in the car for the first time in over a month. The the clock was wrong. And I like looked up when daylight savings was, and I was like, Mm -hmm. Holy cow. I haven't been in my car since October. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's it's we're 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 staying safe staying away from people and um and you know so some some of our family has been affected so mm. uh luckily they they're they're doing well but it's uh it's just something to something to definitely remember and and tell our kids when they get older hey we lived through this
1: yeah Knock um, on wood absolutely i um you know my my listeners know this, but I was laid off on january second 1- um was very worried um not realizing a pandemic was about to happen and ended up luckily by the grace of god finding another company and starting february 10th a- at a job you know and like nice. i was like oh wow how great was this such a quick turnaround and then march happens uh, <laughs> you know we're we're shutting down our office going remote and all of a sudden my wife and he you know, looks at me and goes holy moly did we dodge a bullet what if they had kept you to like march you know or like you know like oh we can't do this to jesse right around the holidays you know let's wait till you know into february or something to lay you off like oh my yeah. goodness so yeah we're uh so yeah we're doing okay it's it's like uh, texas seems to um kind of we we have a slightly crazy republican governor not to get into politics and so he you know we're uh you know we're we're doing okay my wife and i tend to we've done a few things out um more than normal you know we've Mm -hmm. gone to a couple of restaurants where we mirror masks but um you know it's 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 still crazy and we're you know we we're just like you guys worried and just trying to be as safe as we can
0: yeah. And um, that's, that's as best we could do because personally, I want to make sure that, you know, I, I, I having somebody else be affected because of something I would do is the worst thing for me. Like oh. if, if I do, if I do something stupid and it affects me then you know i kind of deserve it or whatever right. but if i do something stupid and somebody else gets hurt then that's that's unfair and and um and i think that's a lot of a lot of what's going on right now is we we, we need to start thinking about each other and and helping and and being uh, being as safe we can and hopefully you know this will be in a couple months under better control so
1: yeah so, I always like to start at the beginning. Uh, now, is it David or Dave?
0: Uh, David is fine.
1: Okay. So, David, where did you grow up? And what kind of music, was there a lot of music in your house growing up? What kind of music did your parents listen to?
0: Uh, I grew up just outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, and I I was born in the late 70s. So, um, when I grew up, I was listening to 80s music. Um, right. But my, my parents were listening to, you know, older stuff, fifties, early sixties stuff. They were not hippies. They were not, uh, uh, any, anything like that. It was, it was oldies, oldies, um, like, like Sinatra era Mm -hmm. things. Um, my, my mom listened to the carpenters. My dad listened to, um, you know, polkas on the radio and and things like that. So, um, so my exposure to music was, top 40 radio in suburban pittsburgh uh so it wasn't very uh very uh, eclectic right um one of my earliest favorite bands was millie Vanilli, okay and i loved millie Vanilli, um and um and i would you know walk around with cassette tapes and listening to my walkman and and things like that so
1: they weren't a very big influence on you than on your music taste. You kind of found your own, you know.
0: Now maybe my parents, later, my yeah, parents yeah, are Millie yeah. Vanilli. I think yeah. Millie Vanilli had more <laughs> yes. of effect in my yeah. musical taste yes. than uh, my parents. Exactly. Taste. Yeah. Um, now, now I could see myself uh, listening to more of that stuff and, right. and having an effect. Uh, more specifically, my dad on Sunday mornings would make okay. breakfast. He okay, he would make. All that eggs and the bacon and the toast and the pancakes or waffles or whatever. And he would always have the oldies radio station playing during this Sunday morning breakfast thing. I do that now. I have a little speaker in my kitchen where I hook my phone up. You know, I'm not listening to oldies radio on the AM, but I got my phone Bluetooth thing to a little speaker, but I'm playing older songs or uh, you know my 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 songs yeah. like the Bee Gees and and yeah. things like that so i am like kind of not purposefully but i'm imparting that to my kids as well um that that sunday morning thing so.
1: that's a cool tradition i mean that's Thanks. a very cool tradition that's very cool i love that Um, (laughs) thank you so so, um as you get older and you're getting in high school um did your music taste change
0: um but like yeah i mean i went through the typical suburban white kid um listening listen you know i had my beatles phase i had my uh you know uh, grunge phase mm-hmm. briefly because like, I can remember dancing in my bedroom to r- uh runaway train, um, sure. by, uh, whoever that was, I forget at this moment. Um, so, um, but like none of that ever spoke to me. Okay.
1: Um,
0: none, none of that, like the Beatles was probably the closest, uh, that I had like a, Whoa, this is, You know, this. And you know, and that's more because probably you know, marketing more than anything. Sure. um, You're supposed to fall in love with the Beatles when you're a teenager.
1: Yeah. So
0: Did you uh, look it up? Who's Runaway Train?
1: No, I did not look it up. I should have. Yeah. Um so I I asked this when I have Bruce fans on. So tell me how you discovered the BGs and if you can articulate what about them. Spoke to you?
0: Uh, so, this is one of the stories I tell a lot. This is one of those I, I awesome moments. Great. This is be, like not a lot of people could pinpoint a point in their life that changes the course of their life, like hearing the Bee Gees for the first time did to me. Now, of course. I knew who the Bee Gees were and I heard the Bee Gees. I don't know or remember the first time I heard a Bee Gees song, but I could tell you the first time that I heard the Bee Gees, capital H. Um, the, you know, of course, Staying Alive, Jive Talking, You Should Be Dancing, all their disco hits are so ingrained in pop culture that I heard those, you know, probably watching Airplane uh, sure. as, as, you know, before. And of course, Saturday Night Fever and stuff like that. So, That's all I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Wednesday afternoon in October of 1993 when I was in my mother's 1991 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra being picked up from high school. And the song came on the radio that just instantly grabbed my ear and demanded attention. That moment I specifically remember. Um, I was not supposed to be in the car. My mom didn't pick us up from school, but I had a football game that night. It was a special under the lights football game that, uh, I had to travel away to. Um, so my mom had to pick me up because I didn't have time to come home on the school bus and eat dinner and get my football stuff and go back to school. So I shouldn't have been in this car. It was one of those karmic er, or cosmic coincidences I should not have been listening to B-94, the radio station, the top 40 radio station at the time. But I heard this music and this voice, these vocals that were crazy. And I lean up and I'm talking to my mom and my, or my, my, mom and my sister up there talking to each other. And I was like, hey, can you guys keep it down a little bit? I want to hear this song. And they're like, shut up, sit down, blah, blah, blah. They weren't really like that, but yes. I, tell, I, I tell it like in, that. because In your mind, funny. they were, yes. In yes. my mind, they, they Absolutely. barked, you know? So I did the only thing that I could think of, which was getting up on the seat, crawling and putting my ear onto the back of the speaker as the car is driving down Route 30 at 40 miles an hour. I'm putting my life on the line to hear this song. Mm-hmm. So I had to, of course, I didn't know who it was. I didn't know the name of the song. I didn't know who sang it. So I had to glue myself to that channel for the next week until I heard that song again. And when I finally did and found out it was the Bee Gees, it was a mind blow to the point where I was like, those disco guys, they still make music in 1993? I had to go back and like find their old albums. I went to flea markets and flipped through dusty old records and bought records for 25 cents and had to go to the... the I couldn't just Google. I couldn't just go and, and download all their songs. I had to go hunt and get this. So the next year or two was my investigation and my growth and my discovery of all of their music finding out that they yeah they not only were these disco guys they had songs from the early 60s all the way through and then into the 70s when they changed to disco and then in the 80s they started doing 80s music and doing solo acts and doing uh work with other people and then yeah they still made music up until the year 2001 so um so yeah, it was it was a fun discovery and a fun exploration, and that is how I first heard them.
1: You 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 kind of explained a little bit, but looking back, why did that song? Why did it speak to you so much?
0: That specific song, I don't know. Um, okay. The um, the 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 song I'm talking about is called "Paying the Price of Love." It was okay. a um, it was their single at the time off of their 1993 studio album "Size Isn't Everything," and it um, it's a dance song. It's a pop song. It has a, a, an electronic beat, um, so it sounds uh, like they have um, oh, sorry um, they have more european music european pop influence through the 80s and 90s um so um so yeah it was it was a little techno-y kind of beat and barry's vocals at one point get extremely falsetto and high and squeaky um so it was probably a combination of um the the things that I listened to when I was younger in the eighties, that Milli Vanilli, the um, you know, the that era of Europop, uh erasure, uh, you know, in excess, Tears for Fears, other bands that don't sound like Bee Gees at all. Um but that pro- so there was that familiarity of Europop, but then also the curiosity of this screaming falsetto um, probably is what did it
1: you know i wanted to go back just a minute uh, david because um my listeners know this story well um 1977 i graduated high school um i was in i was living in my lake charles louisiana I was living in on the suburb of Lake Charles and I went to the prion Lake mall on a Saturday night because I knew how to party
2: and (laughs) I went
1: into a Montgomery ward. And back then Montgomery wards had, you know, a music section, you know, Mm -hmm. you had the glass, you had to, you know, ask someone to undo. And there was a a beach boys eight track called endless summer. And I'm like, Oh, I don't, that looks interesting. And I picked it up and I put the eight track into my car and I had never heard harmonies, you know, cause I was a, I was an AM top 40 kid. Right. I'm I'm like, I, you know, the seventies, I was listening to all this music and I had never heard anything like the beach boys. Yeah. And I just became, I, I, I became obsessed. And the exact story you're talking about, because this is 1977 so I'm going to every record store I can find yeah. and immediately go to the B section and you start ah, Beach Boys. Like if because back then they may not even have their own like back then, you know, there would be the big uh, you know, um people. Eric Clapton would have his own section, but you know, like, yeah. oh, yeah. I don't have this Beach Boy LP, you know, and so you'd buy it and and you know, and or I don't have this cassette and you know, and trying to you know, trying to find newspaper articles or magazine articles about the beach. It's right. like, cause you're just, I'm, I have this dying urge to know everything I can about this band. Yeah. And so that's you, right? That's in the that's early nineties. You're in the, And you're right. There's no Google. There's no, I mean, you know, I, I guess AOL might exist back then when you got the disc, maybe, you know, but there's, if yeah. it is, you had dial up, which would take you, you know, <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, well, well, some yeah. some two two things about what you just said yeah. sparked some some thoughts for me is is one uh, I also am obviously digging in that B section of yeah. the record store and I would always see Beach Boys albums, I would always see Beatles albums, I would always see Beck albums, right. because alphabetically it's always BG's then Beck, or no Beck yeah. then BG's. so right. I can't even tell you how many times I've gone into a record store and taken the BG CDs and flipped them and put them in front <laughs> of Beck CDs just so that BG's could be front and center. I even did oh. a, something a story like on my uh, like uh, Instagram stories. I was in a record store just a couple months ago doing it, so
1: that is um, awesome.
0: You gotta you gotta help them yeah. out. You gotta help the brothers out somehow. So the other thing too is yeah. you mentioned the be uh the Beach Boys harmony. Yeah. The Bee Gees are also hundred percent their harmonies. That's the magic of what makes them amazing. Yes. And similarly to the Beach Boys, um, their brothers. Yes. So the there's something about the vocals of their you know harmonies together is what makes them special and, and great. So I think that would probably be another thing that instantly um, drew me because there's B G songs that you can't tell unless you're listening. If it's Barry singing by himself, if it's Barry with Morris behind him or Barry with Robin behind him, yeah. or the two of them together, or Barry sometimes sings with a Barry track and he doubles up his tracks. And then, you know, it's like, there's so much complexity to how their songs are constructed. And sometimes Barry will sing a verse and then Robin will come in with a chorus, yeah. or, you know, the three of them, of course, coming on strong together is like, uh, all that stuff is, is awesome.
1: Yeah, and, you know, uh, there is a um, – um, the history of rock and roll in 500 songs is a podcast I listen to. Okay. And he's done a couple episodes about the Everly Brothers and how talking about that, you know, Don and Phil did not get along. They, one of them was okay. a very staunch conservative, one a very staunch liberal, and they were not close as brothers, but when they sang – there was yeah. magic. There's something about that, whether it's the genetics, it's the whatever it is, you, you having that blood. And yeah. and I think, you know, um, and, and I do think, I think that the Brothers Gibb, right, in, in that harmony was absolutely beautiful. Um yeah. So I'm going to share you my first. I can remember the first times I heard the Bee Gees because I thought about this. Oh, all right. So um, I don't – I believe it's – and you'll correct me because you'll know this. But (laughs) I believe it's 75 maybe, maybe 76. um, And I was in my – I shared a 72 Plymouth – uh, no, it was a Mercury Meteor, was the uh, a 63 Mercury Meteor that my stepdad and I shared. And we had it on the radio. And I was out, I don't remember my friend's name. And um, the, um, a song came over the radio. And he said, stop, stop. I got to hear this. And it was nights on Broadway. Nice. And I'm like, okay why and there's a lyric and I'm gonna pull it up right that um, it says um, well I had to follow you though you do not want me to that won't stop my loving you I can't stay away And he, he was fighting with his girlfriend at the time and his girlfriend had said, you just need to give me space or whatever in 1975 or 76 was the phrase of you need to give me space. (laughs) You need to quit bugging me. And he was like, I love this song because I can't stay away. I can't stay away. And, and I remember that lyric and I remember the amazing harmony and I was like, Oh, I I need to find out more about these. Um, and, and then I, like everyone that's, else
0: but that's that's the part of that song right there that you just wrote, said that yeah. lyric is is one of the highest parts of that song that's when yeah. it escalates and they falsetto yes. harmonize in falsetto and uh the nights on broadway song itself is the first time that they started really going heavily with uh, Barry's falsetto like that. So that's, that's 75 is the album that was on. So that's probably when you heard right. it on the radio and, uh, yeah, that's, that's a powerful, powerful moment. And,
1: and so I, I there's a lot I want to talk to you about because I, I, I have done, I, I've been fascinated by them because, um, I graduated high school in 77. okay, So, um, you know, Sarah Night fever, Uh, You know, the whole going through KC and the Sunshine Band and disco and, and, you know, then, you know, I grew up, you were either an Eagles or a Fleetwood Mac fan, I was an Eagles fan. I mean, all this music. And I remember loving the 60s Bee Gees. You know, I started, you know, joke and the horrible laughing. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, just I remember loving this. And, and at the time, Hating the anti, the anti disco, you know, feeling about them, and yeah. so I, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that because I, I remember seeing a documentary that these songs originally weren't built for the album, weren't built for the film. They were just working on an album.
0: Yeah, they were. They were starting to write their next studio album when Robert Stigwood approached them to contribute to the soundtrack so uh part of me always thinks oh what would what would have the rest of the Bee Gees album been yes. had they not connected with this movie and were would they have been as big as they were without the movie or would the movie have been as big as it was without the Bee Gees uh luckily we don't ever have to play that what if right. game because uh you know it did it did uh happen the way it did but um yeah they um the the Bee Gees started in, you know, the mid sixties as a uh, Beatles era, Beatles-esque five-piece band. Yeah. And and did a lot of that, you know, that sound, those Beatles weird sounds. They did the poppy stuff. They even experimented a little bit. Um, they they um, into the early 70s were primarily like a ballad band and Robin was Robin was the lead singer and um then in the mid 70s they started um like striking out a little bit on some of their hits and started getting kind of a, a a blander sound and and didn't really have an identity they were trying a little bit of experimental um, things they were trying to be kind of rock they were trying to be a little country um, but they were looking for their next sound and that's when the, they were good friends with Eric Clapton and he said go to Miami record where I record you'll get you know some great um, some some great you know influence and 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 it'll help you discover so that's when they started going more towards r b stuff and that's when they started going more towards that that genre and yeah. they did they did a an album called mr natural and that was 1974 which had some 70s like uh, rock stuff and then some r b influence and that has some really cool hidden gems on it because their next album in 75 was the one that blew up. It was called Main Course. It had Jive Talkin', it had Nights on Broadway, it had Edge of the Universe, it had Baby As You Turn Away. It had all of those huge, and that's like probably their best studio album. Uh, they did Children of the World in 1976 that had You Should Be Dancing, and that's when they fully embraced all their disco stuff. and. Then they started working on "Sanri Fever" for 1977. So that was "Staying Alive," that was um, "Night Fever," that was "How Deep Is Your Love," that was, um, you know, those those huge disco hits, um, those iconic songs, and um, and yeah, those songs were ended up scooped up and put on this, you know, four sided album that um, that kind of just went crazy
1: yeah i mean if if i remember the documentary right they were having to go to other record companies to have them they were paying them to print the albums because they couldn't keep up with demand
0: yeah it was it was it was the one of the reasons why the disco bubble burst was because it was so ridiculously popular that there was it was total Just total um, domination of the charts and things like that. Yeah. Only only for the second time in history did the Bee Gees have five songs in the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 at the same time. And um, the only other people to do that were the Beatles. So you could think of how crazy and how huge Beatlemania was Disco and the Bee Gees were on that same footing as the Beatles, except the Beatles didn't have a huge backlash like uh, Disco suffered, uh, yeah. and and the Bee Gees got folded in into that, and uh, they suffered through the eighties a little bit.
1: Yeah, and 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 unjustly, I think. Um, I also, you might know this story better than I do. Um, it was either more than a woman or uh, how deep is our love? Right was the the film director was working on the film and like do you have another song i I need something here and they sent either one or the other i I saw this in documentary and that's how that song they got the sequence of that because they had that ballad
0: for them um probably um that 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 sounds like um probably how deep is your love yeah um but I'm not hundred percent sure on that. What I am hundred percent sure yeah. of, and this is something I discovered like recently, like within yeah. this past year or two, um, the song staying alive as yes. they were working on it um, had a slow middle part. Yeah. In an early demo that was taken out. So, so they were working on these songs and they, you know, they sent what they were had and, they wanted Staying Alive to be the big dance number. They wanted Staying Alive to be the big thing. One, John Travolta was like, No, I want to dance to You Should Be Dancing. But the song that the two of them dance together to is Staying Alive, right? So the director wanted this moment where Tony, the lead, and the female lead dance together and fall in love, and you see it. So they're taking this driving, staying alive disco song and then all of a sudden screech into a halt and it becomes like a love song and then it goes back to being staying Alive. And um, the, uh, Barry specifically has told the story of where he fought against having this bridge with all of his might. He was like, no way does this dance number need to be interrupted by this slow song, this slow section. And um, it just kills all of the dance momentum and then it never catches back and it falls Mm -hmm. apart. So if you listen to Stay Alive now as it is, it's, you know, four minutes or whatever, three minutes and change of just escalation and repetitive build, 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 build. Um, Hearing, so I heard this demo. And it blew my mind. I was like, how could I have been a Bee Gees fan for 30 years and not know? But like not too many people knew at all about this uh, song. So just recently, a very clean version of this demo showed up on YouTube and I listened to it. And I'll be honest, I really love the slow version, the slow middle section of this song. It completely changes the complexity of the song. It adds so much depth and heart and so much. Because I could tell you very confidently that Staying Alive is not even on my top 20 favorite BG right. songs because of the overplayed sure, stigma. Absolutely. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's a great song, don't get me wrong. But this slow bridge to it, I was obsessed for three days just listening to that on a loop. Um, so if, if people are that curious, go, oh, go we'll, Google it.
1: We'll have to find that. Uh, so a couple things there. One, um, I think that's why, and to bring it back, to, I got a couple of Bruce points. Um, I think that's why I loved Bruce's, when he toured Australia uh, a few tours ago, he opened every show with a different Australian band's song that was what his, that was his thing. And so, um, and when you hear the horns doing the staying alive, it is a totally different version of the song. And it, it, it goes like, damn, this is a really cool song, you know, like the, the angst in it and and the, the drama. And I love the version of it, him doing um, and we exchanged videos, right? Because yeah. you know, I said, "Hey, or, go ahead."
0: I, I was going to say that is to me one of the disservices of the BG's legacy is yeah. that that era is glossed over as um, high pitched vocals and it's all fun dance music and that's about it. The specifically the Saturday Night Fever songs were written about a very dark story, a very dark life of yes. these kids, of these kids who had to go to dance at, you know, these clubs in the seventies because that was their only escape from the ghetto of their world. And um the the songs are about survival. The songs are about um, like trying to not die in the streets, and if you do listen to the lyrics and get that message and know that background, it's a completely different song. I mean, the song is called "Staying Alive" for crying right. out loud. It's not some like you hear ha 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 ha, and and you think it's not serious um but you watch that movie too now especially with 2020 goggles on it that movie is dark the movie is you know there's 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 classism there's racism there's sexism there's homophobia there's the, the, like the lead character is part of like a gang rape of like a, a, a girl in a car like there's yeah. so much that goes on in that movie it's not a pleasant movie to watch
1: so, so I'm so glad you brought that up because I remember going to see the movie um, and hating it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I am I, – I share this about myself. I grew up on Walt Disney movies, you know, where there's a happy ending. Yeah. I still – I am 61 years old today, and I will watch Wait, every – No, no now, just not, this, today, now, right. now, not today. Yeah, and, at, and I watched – hallmark christmas movies in july right like you know i'm uh and and i remember going to see that movie being depressed at the end of it like this is not the movie i was going to see i'm you know um in you know the feeling you got while you went to see greece (laughs) <laughs> Even though you know was you know you you thought this was what you're gonna get, right? right you know, you've got all this fun Bee Gees music, there was all this exciting and and you know, and it's not there there isn't a specifically very happy ending. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it's that, depressing.
0: That, like, the, the bridge scene, uh, yes, and, and then takes a subway home, and then that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, I they did. They did release a PG version in the theaters at one point because yeah. of that, because it got so popular that kids wanted to see it or younger people yeah. wanted to see it. So, um, but yeah, the the R-rated version is is not anything to 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 be happy about, and it doesn't yeah. hold up. And let's not even talk about the sequel staying alive. Oh, uh, 1983 read. Uh, that's, that's Rocky and tights. That's Sylvester yeah. Stallone's uh, yes. uh, manhandling of that. But right. back to Bruce. Yes. So you sent me the Bruce uh, cover of Stay Alive, which was yeah. awesome. Uh, I... I happen to skip a little bit through the full eight minutes of it yes. because it's a little excessive yeah. uh but but yeah so when when you listen to that you hear that part like when i listen to just regular bgs i yeah. hear that stuff too so yeah. like i try to tell people it's like hey no like listen to this part and um if you if you, if you want to hear awesome r&b bgs you got to listen to the stuff before Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. Like 74, 75, 76. They had albums each of those years. They have some stuff that hits hard that isn't full on white suit, right. polyester, bell bottoms, and neck chains. Um, so so that stuff is really good. Um, so you sent me that cover that yes. the boss did of yeah. the BG Staying Alive. I sent you a copy of uh, Barry singing. Yeah. I'm on Fire in yes. 2014 from yes. Philadelphia. So what do, yeah. what did you think of that?
1: Yeah, so I loved it. And I remember um, that at the time, um, there was, you know, a, I, I don't remember where I read it, you know, but it was, um, you know, Barry, I think this was we Twitter, right? What tweeted how blown away he was by <laughs> Bruce doing Staying Alive. Yeah. You know he he tweeted like he just was in shock, and then later you know it was just when you know within a fairly recent time he did he did "I'm on fire, kind of as a, hey, thank you for covering my song, Bruce, Let me cover one of yours yeah, and he, so he, I loved it version
0: he did it as return the favor he said he said quote, "I sort of want to return that compliment, not easy to do, but I'll give it a shot and yes. then he sang. I'm on yeah. fire. Now, I happened to be at that show in 2014 at Philadelphia, sitting third row center when he sang that song.
1: How cool. Now what did you think?
0: I was really, really hoping that he would have sang a different song instead of a Bruce Springsteen song. No, I'm scared. <laughs>
1: no, so- no, no. I I, I- I, I will tell you, you were speaking like a true BG fan, right? Because well, I will tell you, like, it, there are Springsteen fans that were like, why did he do a cover song? He has yeah. this massive catalog. Why?" Like, I remember I was in Nashville at a Springsteen show, and he did um, Burning Love and Can't Get No Satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Both great covers. But, you know – I'm sure there are hardcore Springsteen fans going, really? Why are you covering Elvis and Rolling Stones? Yeah. (laughs) You know, you could do something from your deep catalog.
0: Yeah. I I definitely had that uh, opinion. And um, because this was the first and only time I've ever seen anything close to the Bee Gees being live. So when I started liking and becoming obsessed with the Bee Gees in the early nineties, they weren't touring. They didn't do you know, they had some health problems. They were going through a lot of stuff. There was only a handful of live performances that I could have gone to. And I was yeah. a high school kid. And then I was in college. I didn't. Ha- and, and most importantly, I never thought I would ever have to not be able to see them. Right. Um, so in 2001, when Morris tragically passed away from a twisted intestine at the age of 53, uh, and the Bee Gees stop being the Bee Gees, um, that was one of the things that I was, I I was of course devastated by the news, but then I was like, I never got to see them live. I never got to hear the three of their voices in person blend together and please my ears. Um, that sounded weird, but whatever. Anyway, no, I um, know
1: exactly what you're saying. So
0: 2014 rolls around. Barry's doing his solo tour. He's he's got uh, his son Stephen. He's got Morris's daughter Samantha, and they're torn as uh, Barry Gibb's mythology tour. And they come to Philadelphia, which is you know just a few hours east of me. So I of course had to make sure that I was. Front as, as close as possible. Sure. And, and third row seats were only obscenely expensive as opposed to the first two rows, which were ridiculously obscenely expensive. Um, and um, I, of course, stood there and waved until Barry pointed at me. And then I was like, yeah, this is the greatest moment of my <laughs> life. Um, but uh, yeah, it was incredible. And of course, then I'm thinking, there are X number of songs that he's going to perform tonight. There is. Seven times that much that I would like to hear him sing. Yes. Why is he wasting one with, a with with a Springsteen song that I've never heard of before? That's funny. Um, but here's the thing. Yeah. That is that is the only song that I taped in its entirety on my phone.
1: Oh, why?
0: I don't because I was like, oh, this is something different. This is okay. something that uh, that, and then I realized, you know. Um, 80 other people were holding their cell phones up around me taping it. So I never like uploaded it or anything, but I was like, this is going to be, this is going to be worth something one day.
1: So here's, here's the rest of the story is, um, there is a better, I, I, there is an over 50% odds that if you go to a bar and you throw five bucks into the tip jar and you ask a guy with a guitar, say, can you play Springsteen? More than 50% he will do I'm on fire.
0: Oh, no kidding.
1: <laughs> so to me,
0: I was like, <laughs>
1: Barry, of all the Bruce songs to do, why I'm on fire? There, yeah. you, you could have done Thunder Road. You could have done so many other songs. Um, he does an absolutely beautiful version of it, yeah.
2: but it is and, one of
1: those that you. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm kind of think it's similar to you, right? Like if, if you went to, um, and I don't know if a band would do BGS, but let's say, um, you know, went to a DJ, hey, can you play something BGS? Gees, you know, and you, you'd roll your eyes. Why are they playing something for cyanide Fever?
0: yeah you know i mean you know i I would have to specifically request them to play anything else besides saturday Fever disco stuff yeah but then then what's the point like nobody would want to hear that when i was so like i could embrace the um the 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 celebration of the disco stuff like i don't get mad i i feel like oh you know so many other songs would be better at this point yeah but hearing that is better than nothing
1: Alright, my discussion with David continues tomorrow. But for now, please check out this promo for another Southgate Media podcast.
3: Wendell Vaughn, the first Earthman ever appointed Protector of the Universe. Bonded to the energy transforming quantum bands that are both weapons and symbols of his station, he fights an ongoing battle to defend all life in the universe from cosmic evil as Quasar. That's right, everyone. Do you need uh, a fill of Quasar and all things cosmic in the Marvel Universe? Well, then come join us every Friday on the Capes and Lunatics Sidekicks Podcast, where we talk. Well, of course, Quasar, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Captain Marvel, any of the Captain Marvels, uh, the Squadron Supreme, and basically anything and everything that could have Mark Rumwald's fingerprints all over it. So if you want to deep dive into the cosmic side of Marvel and its protector of the universe, join us every Friday on the Capes and Lunatics Sidekicks Podcast.
1: You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set and Bruce. Set and Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set and Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission.